Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the You Thought Sports Podcast. I am Bart, and joined today by the usual cohort, Lucas, Wyatt, Jared, and Aiden. Today we've got an episode for you packed with content. We're talking about the NBA, the NFL, and college football. Let's just jump right into it. Uh, recently, Lucas, your hometown team, the Sixers, had some uh, semi-big news come up. Uh, after Doc Rivers was laid off by the Clippers, the Sixers promptly hired him no less than five days later. What were your thoughts on this? Did this move make sense? And do you think that Rivers will actually be able to lead the Clippers to a better result than Brett Brown? So I am, without a doubt, and unequivocally, a huge fan of this move. So I think what the Sixers lacked in the past few years with their you know, two stars was structure and then good decision-making both in-game and then when it comes to roster management. They didn't really fix the roster management issue yet, but I can see them being sort of big movers and shakers in the trade market when it comes. Um, but I think Doc Rivers is an upgrade in all those categories, whereas Brett Brown would give Furkan Korkmaz like, big minutes like late in playoff games and late in important games when he should not have been out on the floor. I think Doc <laughs> Rivers is a good enough like game manager as a coach and has proven himself to be a good enough game manager as a coach that um, he'll fix that mistake. He has sometimes struggled when he hasn't had top-tier talent, Doc Rivers, but luckily for the Sixers, the Sixers do have top-tier talent that he can work with. And when he has had that top-tier talent, he's consistently produced really good teams. Um, Even though he hasn't maybe won as many titles as one would expect, he does have a title with the Celtics in 2008. And you can sort of forgive him for after that, because after that, I mean, LeBron and took over the East and was essentially like a force to be reckoned with. He kind of ran into the big three era. Um, I don't really blame him for not winning titles in those years. Um, with the Clippers, he had to come up against the Warriors, who are arguably the greatest team in basketball history. And that being said, like as good as Chris Paul and Blake Griffin were for the Clippers, I don't think they're like upper echelon superstars, either one of them. So I think that overall <laughs> Rivers is a great coach. Um, I think he's a good hire for the Sixers. I think he gives them the structure, organization, and experience that they lacked. And I think he's probably the person to get the best out of Simmons and Embiid and make that team work. Because before, especially last year, it seemed like they were just sort of like throwing together talent and hoping that that Mm -hmm. stuck um, without a whole lot of a greater game plan. But with Rivers, I think that there'll be a strategy moving forward and it'll work out for them. Yeah. Yeah, the one thing I kind of disagree with there is I feel like when the Clippers were at their height with CP3 and Blake Griffin, I feel like both of those players were top-tier talent. I feel like they were top-15 players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's maybe that's controversial. But well, Chris I, I think, Paul for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely Chris Paul. And I feel like Blake Griffin had a few years where he really was dominant. So I'm not totally... So yeah, uh, I'm just I'm not totally sold on... Doc Rivers as like obviously he had a world of talent this year and it didn't work out so like if you'd asked me 10 years ago I'd be like oh yeah like Doc Rivers for sure knows how to (laughs) you know run a superstar driven team but now I'm not as convinced even though I I agree it's a it's an improvement for sure over Brett Brown I think it's a good hire yeah I think with the whole Clippers thing last year like to some degree you have to chalk it up to it being like a coronavirus year (laughs) Um, like they were kind of rolling like going in and i just think like they sort of like lost motivation in the bubble and it just sort of like but whose fault is that exactly isn't that the coach comes in the coach yeah no the player no the player should be motivated themselves i think there i think there was a yeah sure maybe i think but but the culture always starts from the top and works its way back down no he he needed gamers his his teams are known for playing long postseason series the year that he won the championship with the Celtics, they they played 26 postseason games to win 16, which was a 61% winning percentage. It's the worst, the worst winning percentage, mm-hmm. or the most games needed Gosh, to win an uh, NBA title ever. So he, yeah, he needs gamers. He needs people that want that don't want to play like five game series. And I mean, the Clippers didn't do that. <laughs> they weren't willing to game. Indictment of him. <laughs> that is no, it is. <laughs> okay, I see. He's only good when his teams can't win. Yeah, immediately. Can just yeah. barely get out. Yeah. Endorsement of him. Yeah. yeah, I feel like yeah. I mean, like both things can be true in that like he's an upgrade over Brett Brown, but he's also probably not that good. I don't know. I yeah, the Sixers really lucked out that he was available and that the yeah. timeline just happened to work out. But still, I'm not really. I'm just not sold. I feel like. 
like we've seen that he's not super good at handling locker room beef, right? Like when like Chris Paul and Blake Griffin that relationship fell apart this past year, as we were just saying, the players <laughs> didn't seem to like like yes. each other necessarily. Um, I, I don't know if you guys saw the reports recently about players like having beef with Kawhi and his load management. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> like if there's any sort of thing like that going on between Ben Simmons and Embiid, I'm not sure that he'll be able to take care of it either. I guess we'll see. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, but it seems like, and this is like not predictive in any way, but it seems like Embiid and Simmons like each other and get along, and that the issue with the Sixers wasn't so much that, like, they couldn't manage beef, but just, like, that Brett Brown had no sort of organizational control, like, and that, like, he himself would, like, beef with Jimmy Butler, and then just, like, (laughs) wasn't a good in-game manager. So I just don't think that there was, like, a strong presence in the locker room, and I think even if he's not the perfect fit for that, Doc Rivers is better at that than Brett Brown was. So, like, I know that's probably the collective feeling that he is better than Brett Brown, but I think I'm a little more optimistic. I don't think... I think this is probably the best team he's had, or the two, the best two players he's had since he had the Celtics' big three team. And I think that there's the potential for things to go very well. I don't know about that. That's a bold claim. claim. (laughs) I think collectively, Kawhi is the best player he's had, but I don't think Kawhi and Paul George is necessarily a great... A great duo, as we saw Paul George perform in the playoffs. Also, um, I thought that Simmons and Embiid didn't get along. I thought that was kind of the point. I thought there was some I kind don't of. No, I think that's them. trumped up, and maybe that's yeah. just me wanting <laughs> to believe it and erasing facts because you know. But no, I, I haven't. Know. I haven't heard about them disliking each other. No, like, I I'm reading a report and... right now. 76ers stars Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons don't get along. Yeah, the Philadelphia Inquirer. Yeah. I've never heard the past. Yeah, this is 20 years like a month ago. <laughs> oh, okay. I Again, that, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I'm not convinced yes. that they're like, like you know, like buds. I feel like there, yeah. there's, there has been a little yeah. bit of tension in the past. I don't know. Joel Embiid posts happy things about him on Instagram no. all the time. <laughs> okay, believe. fair, fair. So, <laughs> that's, um, yeah, it's not a bad point actually. <laughs> Joel Embiid's a big personality yeah. though, and I think that yeah. the Doc Rivers might have trouble combating with with a guy like Joel Embiid as far as personality goes. Why? I, I don't Garnett, think Garnett. Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Paul Pierce. But I think Kevin Garnett, I don't think Kevin Garnett was the same, like, attitude and, um... Really? And, um, you know, the emotional player that, like, Joel Embiid is. He's definitely emotional Mm -hmm. and he he wears his heart on his sleeve, but I think it was more of a place of passion. And I feel like Joel Embiid definitely comes from a place of, like, he's immaturity, I would say. I, I feel like Kevin Garnett is far more mature than Joel Embiid is, and, and Kevin Garnett is definitely more of a leader uh, than Joel Embiid yeah. is. I think Kevin Garnett was barking at players more from a leadership standpoint than Joel Embiid mopes and pouts at players from an immaturity and a selfishness standpoint. I don't know if, if Rivers... He definitely is better than Ben Brown, but I'm not going to sit here and say that the, the Sixers are even anywhere better off with the same roster going into the next year. I think that if, if they keep the same roster... And Doc Rivers is the coach for that roster next year. They're just destined for another first or second round exit, uh, as Doc Rivers is very famous of doing. Uh, in both stretches in the Clippers, he hasn't gotten past the second round. He has just three playoff wins with the Clippers, and he's the only coach to lose a series three to one three times. I'm not. I think <laughs> that's a wild. Set. Yeah, which is I a crazy. Which is a crazy oh, step, but. I mean, whether he makes the playoffs or not is great. The the Sixers have been making the playoffs for years now at this point, and they have to make it to the point where they can either get an Eastern Conference championship and a finals, and I don't know if Doc Rivers is as equipped as we kind of expect him to be. I think that his Hall of Fame resume is definitely kind of falling apart here in the last couple of years, other than the one 2008 championship. Yeah, one thing people don't talk about enough is how he had Tom Thibodeau coaching the defense that year. So, uh, yeah, mm. like, is he as well-rounded as it seems, or does he need another good, really good assistant coach? Mm. Like Tyler? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, look how that All worked right. out. Well, speaking of Tyloo, uh the Clippers did have their own coaching, coaching vacancy to fill after um, they let go of Doc Rivers. <clears throat> Um, so they chose to promote Ty Lue, who was an assistant for them this season, who previously coached the Cavaliers for about two and a half years, leading them to one title with LeBron in that time. So Aiden, 
Should we expect actual results from Lou, or will he be exposed as a subpar coach who is carried by LeBron? In quotation marks, uh, or in brackets, I have in the notes. It's not a leading question. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely not a leading question at all. No way at all. Um, but anyway, I honestly, I don't know what to think anymore. I, I figured Doc Rivers was a good coach back in the day, probably largely off of his Celtic success. Um, but if there was any year to prove his worth, it was, it was this year with the Stack Clippers team, and he didn't. Um, and Ty Lu, I always just assumed was successful due to LeBron, as I feel like many of us have. Um, and I'm not sure those fears are unfounded. I mean, he was he was good in the three years with LeBron and then started out 0-6 without LeBron, uh, which, again, small sample size, and obviously <laughs> the team was real bad. But <laughs> I do think there's such a thing as superstar coaches, though. Um, and though where like the coach doesn't necessarily need to be center stage, but won't kind of mess things up for the superstar. They kind of let the superstar take the reins to an extent. Um, and I think Tyloo might be that. I mean, Tyloo famously called out LeBron at halftime of the finals game seven, right? Where he like, at halftime, they were losing and LeBron was underperforming. Um, and then they came back and won. Um, and I think, you know, Paul George could maybe use some of that. That, that could be good for him. Um, <laughs> with that said, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not sold on Ty Lue being a great coach yet. Again, I made the same, you know, underestimation with Eric Spolstra, and um, he's proved to be a very good coach. Um, so, again, it's it's hard to tell with LeBron, but I'm definitely not sold that he's going to save, you know, the Clippers by any means. Yeah, but Eric Spolstra had data points before he got LeBron too, though, right? Mm-hmm. So we, like, actually knew. We don't know pretty much anything about Ty Lue's record without LeBron, uh, other than the 0-6 start. I do. I will say that the Cavs, when they fired Blatt, they, they fired him because of a lack of fit with our personnel and our vision. So, like, maybe Ty Lue is the guy that, like, he yeah. just jives with the personnel better. But I think the Western Conference is just going to get better with the Warriors returning to full strength. I feel like the problems with the Clippers is culture. And I don't know. I, I thought that Doc Rivers was kind of the culture guy, not the, like, in-game guy. And they the Cavs arguably got worse in Ty Lue's full seasons as a team. They, they got worse. They had progressively worse record and worse seed. And then they got swept. What So they won in his half season, right? They won in seven. Next year, lost in five. The next year got swept. Yeah. I don't know. They arguably got worse. Yeah, they lost Kyrie. But I'm, I'm, I, don't think they're, I don't think the Clippers are making the Western Conference Finals next year. Interesting. I mean, I guess that's not that hot of a take. But, yeah, I... <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the, the, the main thing that makes me hesitate in, in complaining about this is the fact that the, the Clippers org really had, like, their pick of the litter, if you will. I mean, like, for the most part, I guess, because, like, despite all the drama that happened this past season, I feel like any free agent coaches would have been very happy to take this job. Yeah. And they still, like, I was reading that they still graded Ty Lue as, like, their first or second best, like, candidate in basically every area that they were evaluating people. So either we know better than the people working there about what makes a good coach, or there's something about him, like, behind the scenes that we just don't know. Um, like, he does, apparently he does jive very well with the players. He has already agreed that, like, they're not going to talk about last season, and they're not going to do things like they did last season, which bodes mm-hmm. well. He's already said that he's going to give, like, role players a lot more minutes, which I'm sure will help um, just, like, with general locker room chemistry. I... I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree that LeBron, the whole LeBron thing makes it really hard to tell. But yeah. um, like, it seems like people really do actually respect him as a coach, which yeah. I'm not really sure. Yeah. 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 I'm like not convinced he's like, it, it was as much LeBron as people say it was. Like, there are a lot of coaches who didn't win titles with LeBron. Like, and he did that. Like, it's not nothing that he took the best player of all time and was able to take him to a title when in so many years in LeBron's career that hasn't happened in the past. So, like, while he was probably carried by LeBron, like, what coach wouldn't be? And there were a lot of coaches that were in the same situation as him and didn't succeed. So I think there's at least something to be said there for, like, you know, the players like him, he can call out that superstar when it goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah, Kawhi and Paul George apparently didn't say like that they want to specifically ask for a certain coach, but they both agreed to have him, apparently. So I guess that's something. Yeah. That, what did yeah. the other players think? I feel like they always have very different opinions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if there's any yeah, there's it was a met split with locker room, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite story anyway. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> but anyway, moving on now. 
uh, to some other basketball big NBA news this week. Uh, Daryl Morey uh, stepped down as the Rockets GM after 13 years in that role. Um, he currently has the the longest playoff streak of a GM in the NBA, eight straight seasons. So he was, yeah, he was consistently good uh, throughout his time at the Rockets. Bart, do you think the Rockets roster will fundamentally change now that he's gone? Um, slash, is there a chance that they try and make a push for uh, Joel Embiid? Uh, I think there's no chance that the cha- that the roster changes much at all. Uh, and the main reason for that it, it really has nothing to do with Maury being gone. Um, it's just that the Rockets basically are handcuffed. They can't do much of anything. Um, like Track right now lists them with the fifth worst cap situation going into next season. Um, they don't have a single draft pick in this next draft. Uh, Harden, Westbrook, and Rocco. I mean, yeah, they're only two rounds, but still. They've been, they've been mortgaging their future repeatedly yeah. to try to get in a position to win it all. Uh, Harden, Westbrook, and Rocco are all through contract through 2022, at least. Eric Gordon through 2024. Uh, and none of those guys is younger than 29. The big ones are all 31 or older. So, like, they don't have any young talent, basically. They don't have any uh, tradable assets. And they're locked into long contracts with older players. So basically, I think the only thing that we'll see is next season they're going to try to make another run at it with basically the same exact core because they don't really have a choice. At some point, James Harden might request a trade or he'll just leave. But even then, it's like, I think, yeah, they're basically locked into this situation and it's going to take a few years for the roster to basically disassemble itself. And then they're going to go into full rebuild mode. I don't think they really have a choice. I think it's going to be tough for them too, like whoever their new coach ends up being, that um, they haven't picked a coach yet, correct? Right. Yeah. That um, like that team too is not only built in like Daryl Morey's image assembling the team, but also in D'Antoni's image too, because he's created just like a very specific yeah. team, and they, they created a team to win under D'Antoni in an amount of time. And like Bart said, I think it's just going to sort of like slowly collapse over the next few years, because... You won't be running the same system, so it won't fit those players. They're going to be getting older, and they can't retool because, one, like Bart said, their cap situation is terrible. They have no tradable assets. But also because, like, this is kind of what you're stuck with. Like, you can't blow it up. You just need to try and win with who you have now because two or three years down the line, everybody will be too old to win, and you'll have to blow it up anyway. I think they definitely sold all in, though, for last year. I think that mm-hmm. Daryl Morey and both Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey were kind of playing and making moves for their jobs and obviously didn't work out for either of them. So now at this point, <clears throat> if you're the new GM, I think the way every GM is going to work, whether you're the Sixers or whether you're the Rockets coming in and looking to rebuild a franchise, is you take one year under a new coach with the current roster and the next year after that, you're going to have to just blow it up. Uh, there's no chance of the way that this Rockets roster, the way it's assembled, has any shot of winning the championship, especially like with Jared said, with the Warriors coming back. Nuggets are only getting better. I expect the Jazz to make a move and get better. Like The Rockets are going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel as far as uh, the playoff seeding goes and even just <clears throat> winning games in the regular season. And as far as James Harden is concerned, there's no way he requests a trade. He's just going to st- stick it out, become the greatest Rocket of all time, drop 60 points here and there, and then collect his max contract money. But he's probably the only piece you can trade because no one's going to trade for um, Russell Westbrook. And if you trade P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, then what do you have as far as other pieces around them? Absolutely nothing. They're screwed. I don't disagree. So, so yeah, Daryl Daryl Morey picked a great time to leave. Let's let's leave. It. Honestly though, yeah, <laughs> he knew what he was doing. Get out. And yeah. Same for Mike D'Antoni, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking of the Warriors, Jared, you've mentioned them. Uh, obviously, they suffered an uncharacteristically bad season this past year after Steph, Clay, and Draymond all missed time. I mean, Clay missed the whole season. Steph missed basically the whole season. Obviously, they're set for a huge rebound uh, as their big three should all be back. Jared. Do you think that the Warriors will return to being a top two team in the West, or are there elite days perhaps behind them? I think they will absolutely be in the Western Conference Finals. I, I would be shocked if they were not. I think their crew, their their crew is still as good as any teams. I would t- I would take their big three over any 
top three of any other team personally. Andrew Wiggins wasn't setting the world on fire, but he did average 19 points a game. His field goal percentage wasn't great at 45, but I think they'll be fine with him. If they, I, I think there's still a market if, if they wanted to trade him. I'm sure there's a team that would pick him up. All they really need to do is somehow replace the presence of Andre Iguodala, and I think they're the best team in basketball. I mean, they didn't need KD in 2015. They didn't need him in 2016 when they went 73-9. and I mean, besides the finals. But they're still a really good team, and the only time they were beat was when Draymond was suspended, which was in the 2016 finals, and when Clay and KD were hurt. When they're at full strength, I don't really know if there's a better team than them, to be honest. You don't think they're going to be a slightly diminished version of like those 2015, 16, 17 yeah. teams just because like I don't they're think all, so at all. they're really? five years older at that point. They're all coming off injuries. Like so is LeBron. LeBron's like LeBron's five years older from his first championship, and he's still running. Yeah, but like Anthony Davis shit. and Alex Caruso, the rest of the Lakers' big three, are in their prime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think Steph and Clay aren't in their primes? Not any. I, I wouldn't really. go into. This I think no primes in basketball primes. last forever. Yeah. Okay, for yeah, for a straight up shooter like Clay, I can give it to you. But Steph, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. He's a straight up shooter too. Yeah. No, but I mean he plays a, he, all off the uh, ball. I mean, he doesn't he, even he need will, the ball. He will be really good I know, but but he plays with the ball so much, and he depends so much on his agility and mobility. I'm not sure. He doesn't even play the ball that much, though. He can do anything. He can do anything he can do with the ball. He can do off the ball. Well, that's where he makes his his bread and butter is off the ball. I think that's yeah. where. Steph Curry succeeds. I actually, I'm going to agree with you, Jared. I think that they're going to be a really good team next year. Um, I was really on the fence, but I, I, Steph Curry is as good as it gets. He's still probably going to be a top five player in the next year. Clay Thompson is, like you said, like coming off of his injury. Even if he did what he tore his Achilles or something like that, or mm-hmm. his ACL, he a leg injury. He's still mainly mm-hmm. like the best spot up shooter in the NBA, so mm-hmm. he doesn't need to do anything too crazy with them. And I think Andrew Wiggins being asked to be like the fourth leading scorer, third or fourth leading scorer on that team, definitely is going to be a better role from him yeah. instead of trying to be like yeah. the number two or number one guy that they had him or he, that he was advertised when he was drafted number one <laughs> overall by the Cavs a couple of years ago. Uh, plus, I mean, they're going to trade Wiggins for Giannis anyway. So it might just <laughs> yeah. no. at that point then who's going to stop that? No. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Exactly. I I think that they're going to be really good next year and I'm to think of the other teams behind the Lakers that might beat them other than the Clippers. Um I can't think of one like the Rockets, Jazz or Nuggets that I would put above them. Maybe the Clippers and maybe they might sit number 3 overall, yeah. but you know, as far as the rest of the West goes, I'm not picking anybody else Dude. to beat them. Jamal Murray wants a word with you. He really does. Uh, but, <laughs> no, no I, I agree, though, that I, I think that the Warriors, if I were a, a betting man, I'd bet that they'd make at least the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. What do y'all think they should do with their, you know, I think they're number two overall this yeah, year, right? I was going to mention uh, that, yeah. Yeah, what, what do you think they're going to do? What should they do? I think they should just draft. I think they should just draft a guy. Should. Nobody wants the yeah. number two pick because nobody knows who's even yeah. good in this draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they should just draft a guy. But yeah, do they pick? Really bad do they pick like that. Lamelo Ball, who's not going to be good right away, like or something? I honestly like that, think or do they yeah. Go for, like okay. Their team is good enough, that. probably still to win now. Like yeah. so, why not pick someone who could you, you could like groom for like two, three years down the line when I like, mean. Steph and Clay are really past their prime and could provide some like. No, they're not. The no, we just. Oh, three I know we exactly. yeah. Three years. Three years from now, Steph Curry will be past his prime. I thought <laughs> so you were talking about this that. season. Sorry. No. <laughs> I was like, "What are you talking about?" It, is Lame- I don't know if Lamelo Ball is the right pick for the Warriors. I think that it would be good for him as his development goes, but as far as like yes. the Warriors are concerned, I wouldn't exactly. Unless they were really banking on the future, but like you said, like this team's good enough to win now, and I think I would double down on winning now. I think that's like what a, they're going to do too. Draft yeah. like a center, like Obi Toppin or yeah, James Wiseman yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, Lamelo Ball is like really ball dominant. Uh, he's kind of messy a little bit, not yeah. off the court. Like I know his dad and all this stuff, but as far as on the court goes, like he's a high volume three point shooter. He doesn't have the greatest shot mechanics in the world. He can still score, and you know he's he's mainly as a playmaker, but. I mean, you already have the greatest three-point shooter of all time and a playmaker in both Draymond and Steph. I don't know if Lamella Ball, unless they're really banking on Steph falling off the next two years, I don't know if Lamella Ball is the guy that you, like, <laughs> double down on as the future of your franchise right now as the Warriors. Start, yeah, starting yeah. lineup is yeah, Lamella Ball, but no Steph Curry. He's, <laughs> he's six man. Because they're, they're, like the, they're like the 49ers when 
Jimmy Garoppolo tore his ACL and they got the number two overall pick and they drafted Nick Bosa and then they went to the Super Bowl. You know, they could just draft another guy yeah. that is like one of their big needs instead of like maybe project because you know the the 49ers could have drafted a quarterback Daniel Jones you know with the, the second quarterback <laughs> picks and they didn't they didn't they didn't bank on that they went so, a different direction so I think the Warriors can still do the same thing yeah yeah and also I mentioned the Rockets cap situation earlier the Warriors is apparently even worse this season yeah. so even if they wanted to trade for yeah. like a, a you know significant player they probably don't even have the room to do it so I mean, they're, well, they're Wiggins, Wiggins, Wiggins contract is so luxury. big. Yeah, <laughs> Wiggins contract is so big. <laughs> you, you can only pay that to an extent. Package. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I actually don't know. I know they're. I know they're in the luxury tax though. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to the NFL now. Um, why I'm going to start with you, Le'Veon Bell. After an ugly and somewhat sudden divorce with the Jets, found himself a free agent once again. He quickly signed a one-year contract with the Kansas City Chiefs. Wyatt, did this move surprise you? And do you think this makes Casey's, um, Kansas City's offense too good, or do you think the signing is insignificant? Uh, I don't think this surprised me at all. Um, Le'Veon's <laughs> divorce from the Jets was pending since the minute he signed his contract back in 2009. <laughs> <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> They were going to get rid of him at some point. The way Adam Gase spoke about him, the way he spoke about Adam Gase, uh, there was no way that they were going to like last the full... I don't even know how long it was. Maybe Let's say four years of the contract. So to spend the last year and a half in the worst run franchise in the NFL and to finally get removed <laughs> from his gangrene shackles. Of course, you want, want to go oh to God. a team like the Chiefs as a contender. So for Le'Veon Bell, it makes perfect sense. And for the Chief, it also makes perfect sense. Like, of course, you're going to add talent whenever you can. Andy Reid has learned from his past in Philadelphia that he needs to establish a run game, even if you have the best quarterback in the world. They've definitely been really committed to it because over the last couple of years, they had Damian Williams, who did really well for them. He was almost a Super Bowl MVP. Um, they drafted a first, they used their first round pick on Clyde Edwards Alaire. So they're really serious about this. And as good as Edwards Alaire is, I think that he mainly struggles in the red zone, especially like a lot of goal line situations. So you you grab Le'Veon Bell for some short yardage stuff, some red zone work, and uh, you know if you have two backs like a lot of NFL teams are going right now, where they do running back by committee, you're gonna be doing well, especially two backs as talented as Le'Veon and Edwards Alaire. So for both teams, it makes sense. It's gonna work out really well for them. I think that they were already the favorites, so it doesn't exactly put them over the edge of anybody else if you're already number one. But I think it's a great move for both. For both sides, Le'Veon and the Chiefs. I'm a little more suspicious of yeah. this. Like <laughs> I, for on Le'Veon's side, I think he, I think he's probably a little past it. We've seen how short of a shelf life good running backs often have in the NFL, and I think going to the Jets honestly accelerated his <laughs> already <laughs> likely decline. How um, dare you? I mean, I still think he has the potential to be good and contribute to a team, but I just don't think. You know, he's the guy he was with the Steelers a few years ago, which he doesn't need to be, but I think the decline is probably more pronounced than we realize because it's kind of masked by the fact that the Jets were also so bad. And for the Chiefs, it feels like a little bit of, like, kind of like a diminishing returns to scale thing. Like, I don't know, like, what does Le'Veon Bell really add to that team? Like, I guess Edwards Lair does struggle in the red zone, but I don't know. I don't, like, I don't think it makes them, like, noticeably better when they already have so much talent pretty yeah. much everywhere. But it also doesn't yeah, make them any worse. I don't see why they wouldn't make It doesn't make, make them worse. It doesn't, yeah, I, no, well, why fair. wouldn't they make this deal if Le'Veon was like, hey, like, you guys got an extra locker room spot for me? And they, I mean, like, of course they're going to add a guy as talented as Le'Veon Bell was. And I think it's hard to judge him, whether his time in, in New York accelerated his um, shelf life or not. I mean... If they can even get him close to half of what he was in Pittsburgh, I think it's a really good deal, especially for one million. This feels like when everyone, like when Lashawn McCoy and Rob Gronkowski went to the Buccaneers, everyone's like, "Oh, look at these guys! Yeah. They, they put together a team." This kind of feels like the real version of that, where Are you they're adding ta- where they add talent to the team, <laughs> and, the, and everyone's Why? like, 
The but Bucks I mean, are potentially the best team in football. They're stop Stop You guys are so irrational about your hate stop on the Buccaneers. It. They're they're freaking. But it's not right like now, the man. Bucks aren't successful because of Gronk. I mean, like they're. Yeah, like, <laughs> I know, but you're like Sean McCoy and Leonard Fournette are non-factors. Brady and a bunch of oh my yeah. gosh, Leonard yeah. Fournette had two think, touchdowns yeah. in the game he played. Just saying, in the one game he played. Ronald Jones. We're getting way off the point. Ronald Jones is the best back, but yeah. Yeah, Wyatt, I agree with you, though, that I think – I don't think this is necessarily a bad signing for $1 million, but I think it's ridiculous the amount of attention that it's gotten. Like, yeah. it's like – it's the amount of attention it's gotten is like Le- uh, Le'Veon Bell's in his prime when he's, like – he's 28 and name me a, another good running back who's 28. Like, honestly, the oldest I found who's still, like, legitimately good is Derrick Henry. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice try. <laughs> uh, but – so I yeah I I think it's it's a solid hire if they're doing it for a solid sign if it's you know not costing them much but like they shouldn't be expecting a ton out of them. He was Christian I McCaffrey mean, already... before Christian McCaffrey though. I mean, he was like the original. Jared, I'll let you go in a second. He was like the original <laughs> pass catcher. He was yeah. unique. I mean, if they can use him in the passing game, then then that's fine. I I think it's yeah. I know it's like oh it's like he's in his prime, but. Nobody's expecting Le'Veon Bell to be the lead back. They use a first-round pick on a back. They use him in special situations, an area where Edwards Alaire can't succeed or hasn't succeeded yet. So, I mean, I don't think – I mean, I think it's something to get excited about. I don't know. I feel like you talk about Clyde Edwards Alaire like he's the weakness of the Chiefs offense. But they have the <laughs> sixth – they have the sixth best rushing attack already. Like, what the, the move is, is insignificant in my opinion. How much – are they, all right, they go to from six to one. That's not – you know that's not yeah, a huge yeah deal. but if you have it that'd be good but <laughs> but i don't think that's gonna happen. going from six to one and then also having the best quarterback in the league is no small feat i think that that should be taken seriously <laughs> yeah <laughs> and by the way melvin gordon would probably be one of the best older running backs at 27 oh he's not even he's not derrick henry can you drink at 26 yeah. <laughs> uh mark ingram how about that guy he's 30 still years going. old <laughs> still going, yeah. <laughs> Just checking along. Well, he shares the backfield. Every play, he shares the backfield with another running back. So and Raheem yeah. Mostert. And uh, there's a reason. Yeah. In San Francisco, these are he? not top he's fifteen 28. running backs, as far as I'm no. concerned. Yeah. Melvin Gordon, maybe, but he, he's he's not 28. But... No, he's 26. <laughs> so give or take some time. It's a big two years. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So we're gonna do playoffs or layoffs. The Raiders uh, off the number, the undefeated Chiefs two weeks ago, and they're currently just outside of the playoff race. The Patriots, other, otherwise from a strong start, have fallen to two and three, just below 500 actually for the first time since 2002. And the Cardinals would make their playoff wild cards right now, and they just absolutely demolished Dallas just <laughs> last night. Bart, I'm gonna throw it to you. Which of these teams is an actual threat in the playoffs? Uh, so uh, let me just keep it high level for now. We, we can uh, throw it to the group in a second here. I like the Raiders the most of this squad. I think the Pats will be uh, a threat, and I actually am lowest on the Cardinals. Uh, I will be the first one to Good. admit. I, I was the one hyping up the Cardinals before the season started, uh, and I have been <laughs> underwhelmed. Kyler has underwhelmed me more than anything. Uh, he's been like a pretty middle-of-the-road quarterback yeah. this year. Um, but yeah, I think the Raiders are really up and down, but I think their ceiling is high enough that they could be uh, a potential problem if if they can get a good matchup or if they just like run hot near the end of the season and going into the playoffs. And the Pats, frankly, I don't think two and three tells the whole story. Obviously, mm-hmm. Cam missed the game against the Chiefs. I think that would have been much more of a toss-up than the score indicates. And then they lost to the the Seahawks, who are really good, by just one point. Or not by just one point, but on the last drive, they were at the one-yard line. Mm-hmm. It came down to the final play. So I think the Pats are better than the record suggests, and I actually think the Cardinals are a little bit worse than 4-2 and yeah. two suggests. I mean, how impressive is beating the Dakless Cowboys? Not at all. So that's that's where I stand with that. What do you guys think? I, I 100% agree with everything you said, actually. Me too. Yeah. Full endorse. Yeah. Yeah, the Cardinals really haven't played anyone or really beaten anyone. They beat the Niners week one, which is solid for sure. But since then, they've played the Washington football team, Lions, Panthers, Jets, Cowboys. Yeah, Dak was Cowboys. Like, that's, yeah. that's as easy as you and, can get. I mean, they would have like, lost. You look at what they have left. The, the, uh, the Cowboys would have lost regardless. They're so yeah. bad. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> no, I don't know. Let's, about not, that. Just, let's not just water them down to the Dakless Cowboys. They're they're bad. They're Baker Mayfield. Are. Baker they're... Mayfield put up more points than Kyler Murray did. Come on. I I think none uh, of them <laughs> would be would be an actual threat. If I were to really pick, I wouldn't pick any of them. I I think that the Raiders. Ooh. I agree with everything you said, Bart. I think the Raiders are probably though a year away from being a championship team. I think that they're still kind of like getting their legs beneath them. The Patriots have lost a lot of talent. They had the most talent opt out this year from the coronavirus. Um, and then, mm-hmm. of course, they've kind of been caught up on as far as um, scheming-wise. Like, you know, you make Cam Newton throw the ball. He's not a bad thrower, but you make him throw the ball and you have a way better chance of winning. And then, of course, the Cardinals have just kind of been a little underwhelming for as, as advertised as they were, having a – MVP front runner, a second year quarterback in Kyler Murray, and then trading for D Hop. I feel like they should be at the top of the division right now, but I really just like it doesn't answer answer the question at all. But I'm not picking anybody out of any of these teams to be a real threat going into the playoffs. You thought you think Kyler was a MVP front runner going into I think season? that he was definitely like the biggest headline of yeah, the year. He was. was like, he oh, was. Kyler Murray is the next second year quarterback to win a mm. uh an there MVP. have been a lot of those, I guess. That's true. You know, yeah. from, the media from Patrick loves Mahomes him. To, yeah, yeah they, I have yeah. no idea why. Yeah, they, I did expect him, him to progress more than he has, but I wasn't uh, expecting MVP per se. Yeah. yeah. Like even yesterday, he he was uh, like he threw two like I think it was yeah a few touchdowns with no picks, but he went nine for twenty four. Yeah. It's like he's yeah. he's like <laughs> so on the point of being average. I'm sorry. I guess the Cowboys too. Season. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so now let's take a look at actual teams that are much more in the thick of it for the playoff race, teams that you could potentially argue are contenders, and let's see who we think is more of a contender. Let's start with you, Aiden, in this hypothetical matchup between the Titans and the Steelers. Who would you take? Hmm. They're, yeah, the, the undefeated at the moment. Um, and, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely true that they you hear a lot less about the Titans and the Steelers despite the fact that they're undefeated than you hear about, like, the Chiefs or the Ravens just because they're a little less a little less flashy, but, you know, they, they mm-hmm. get it done. Um, to be fair, though, we haven't really seen either of them tested that much so far. They have each have one win against a 500 or better team. Um, and th- those wins were pretty dominant, so maybe they rise to the occasion. Uh, so I'm not totally sold on either as a Super Bowl contender per se, um, but I'm, I'm going to go with the Titans on this one. I think the Titans last year went a lot farther than everyone thought they would. They would, And I think they're a better team this year. I mean, got, got you, Davion. Um, Ryan Tannehill keeps like getting better, and he's the ultimate game manager. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's the best version Henry, of a game yeah. manager you can possibly get. Honestly, though, he, he is the peak. Yeah, Kirk Cousins only wishes, but... All right, yeah. you know what? Here I was naively thinking, Kirk, when you come on in an episode, we'll, we'll never we let have you to. It. It's that. part of my contract, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, and, and yeah, and obviously Derek Henry has been a beast, uh, as we saw on Sunday. He's He has half of the NFL's 200-plus yard rush games over the past three years. He has three of the wow. six. Um, so I, I do think they're a threat. Um, and the Steelers, obviously, like... Where it's harder to tell because they didn't have Big Ben last year, so we don't have the same points from last year that we do with the Titans. And um, Big Ben has looked great. Chase Claypool has looked great. Um, but I am going to take the Titans at this point because I think they've somewhat proven that they can be successful in the playoffs, and I think they're just as good, if not better, than last year. Aiden, will you book that the Titans beat the Steelers this week? Will you book yes, it? Yes, I will book that. I will book that. Okay, I'm going to book the opposite yeah, of that, yeah, yeah. that the Steelers oh. should beat the Titans. <laughs> Let's hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you picked the Titans. I, the Steelers have a top two defense in the league right now. Mm. I, don't, I think that they're way better than the Titans are. Way better. Wow. In fact, I'll, in fact, I'll book this. We'll see come Sunday, Wyatt. Yeah, yeah. Super I'll Bowl book Steelers. This. Yeah. Double-digit one for the Steelers. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's bold. All right, that's awesome. So we're both right going to lose, Wyatt. It's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right. Oh, God. Anyway, moving on to our next one. Uh, Lucas, who you got? Ravens versus Bills. Who would you take? So this one's really tough. Both teams have lost to the Chiefs. But <laughs> if you're looking for like a shared opponent. But I think I have to take the Ravens based on what I've seen so far this season. 
The Bills got off to a really hot start, but their last two games have been pretty discouraging. Um, and they haven't really put in great performances against good teams. Uh, they lost to the Raiders, and they got ax- absolutely smacked by the Titans by, what was it, 26 points the weekend before? The only good win they have is the Raiders, and I'm not convinced that the Raiders are great. Like I think they're good, but not great. And when they've come up against like truly good teams, they've sort of fallen short. While the Ravens convincingly have beat some okay teams like the Browns, and they've you know convincingly beat every other team they've played, even if they haven't played a top tier schedule uh, yet, which can as much be said for the Bills, I feel like because they've had really close wins over the Jets and Dolphins. So even though they won those games, they weren't necessarily convincing. Is double, I was big on the is a double digit win over the Jets a close win? Yeah, honestly, like anything less than twenty <laughs> points over the Jets. Oh my gosh. that was not, that game. I remember place. specifically not feeling at all close, though. To be fair, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. All right, I'll give you that one. But even so, like, if you're talking about like having like been there before, like I think the Ravens at this point have got like that bad playoff game out of their system. Lamar Jackson's a much better quarterback than Josh Allen, and I just think if it comes down to it, the Ravens are an overall more talented team than the Bills. I can't I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I disagree entirely. Okay. <laughs> book something, yeah. I'll, I'll keep booking. I'll book for this entire segment. I, I'm a really big fan <laughs> of the Bills. I think that even if Josh Allen has had a couple, two really tough weeks back-to-back against the Chiefs and the Titans, um, I still believe in him, and I still believe he is a good – he's way improved from last year. The Stefan Diggs trade was an incredible move. Their defense is pretty solid, as they have been. I really like what the Bills could be a little bit more over what the Ravens are right now. I think that the Ravens have not been the same dominant team that they were last year. I mean, they still have a pretty good run offense, but they weren't as good as last year. And uh, I think that I would take both wins, both tough wins against the Rams and the Raiders from the Bills than any win that I would take from the Ravens have had this year until they play the Steelers. And next two weeks <clears throat> okay okay let's see what happens <laughs> jared you're up next seahawks packers who are you taking if they play in the playoffs it's a really exciting matchup it would be a shootout but i'm actually gonna take the packers i think aaron Rodgers would torch okay. the seahawks defense because the the, de- the seahawks defense gives up the most i think the most yards per game uh that was before monday night so i'm not sure if it's changed they're terrible um that so the Bucks defense that he just played is elite. They're the, literally the best of the league in yards allowed per game. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers had a bad day. I think he would – obviously, you, if Tom Brady can score 38 points on the Packers, how much can Russell Wilson put up? Who knows? But I'll still take the Packers. I trust the Packers' defense more than just the Seahawks' defense, so I'll go with the Packers because I think both quarterbacks will just put up a bunch of points. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think it's a coin flip. Yeah. It'll be more intriguing if they do meet up because there's some, been some recent drama and they've had a few playoff games recently yeah. Right, where, yeah. mm-hmm. where some stuff has gone down. So I would love to see that matchup actually happen. Yeah. yeah that'd be what, are, what are the chances they show that Hail Mary pass again? Don't they show that like every time <laughs> they play? A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, back, no flash back to the don't. last couple of games and they yeah. just show the Hail Mary again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. They're guaranteed. <laughs> An oldie but goodie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wyatt. Um, how about this one? The the LA Rams versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Are you are you hopping on the the bandwagon or the pirate ship? I should say of the Bucks. <laughs> um, well, if I could choose neither, I would. Oh my! As far as, as well, far you as can't. You <laughs> I think okay. You're gonna hear me say this a lot throughout the year. Um, both teams are what I would call a tough win against uh, anybody. <laughs> They're gonna be a really hard team to beat. I was really impressed with the Bucks defense last year against or last week against the Packers. Um, I think that they're a decent team. I think the Rams have really good talent, especially on the defensive side, and they have playmakers. But um, they're in the business of winning football games, but they're not a huge business. They're more of like a mom-and-pop kind of business. They're, <laughs> they're a small market kind of business. Um, they're not major market businesses like Amazon is, as or the Chiefs, Ravens, Bills, and Steelers. I would pick all of those teams. Um, they'll both finish mm. above 500. They'll make things tough in the division. If I had to pick a team, I'm definitely taking the Rams. They have two number one guys on defense from Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So I would pick the Rams over the Bucks, no matter how hot Jared feels the Bucks are getting right now. <laughs> I Interesting. Take, I would take the Bucks in that matchup. I would take the Bucks. 
I agree. It's hard. It's hard to bet against Aaron Donald. I mean, like he would. I feel like he would terrorize Tom Brady. But I still also probably take the Bucks. <laughs> Jared, do you want to book this right now? On the twenty third of November, they play. No, I want to wait till we get to that week in case there's major injuries or something. I'll book it. I don't <laughs> care what happens. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll join while I'm just booking. I think the Rams win too. Okay. <laughs> don't be don't be chicken, Jared. We can um, book it. No, I'm it's a Monday night football game. It's, it's prime practice. time, baby. Bookets practice, aren't fun right. if they're like calculated guesses. Like, yes, they are. Are you kidding me? Come on. <laughs> get, get a little, get a little crazy with you, it. If you've put thought into it, that's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> ruins it. Bart, going to throw it to you. We have the Bears, Nick Foles, Hot Bears, and the Saints team. Which one are you picking? So this is an interesting one. Um <sighs> I, maybe counterintuitively, maybe not. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Saints, the three and two Saints, or the five and one Bears. Um, so the, it's interesting because like the Bears are one of the best defenses in the league, right? And the Saints are one of the best offenses. I feel like it's in that sense, it's kind of a toss up. But at the end of the day, like Nick Foles is Nick Foles. I know he's won a Super Bowl before, but that was years ago. He's he's pretty washed now. I mean, obviously he is. If you couldn't win three the years spot ago. against. Like he's washed ago. up. According yeah, to yeah, you, according to you, three years up. is the end of a yeah. prime, Lucas. Come on, <laughs> oh, don't, Lucas, don't give me if, that argument. If he was that, washed, that's a class, he would have won the starting spot against Trubisky in the out offseason. of context. <laughs> Jared, out of context, a 22 year old is not out of their prime at 25, but a 32 year old is at 35. Well, the same age. Context matters. Same age. They're the same age. Anyway. And for, Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> anyway, uh, also the bear, like the Bears are five and one, but once again, the record doesn't really like tell the whole story. I mean, they've won three games against three of the worst teams in the league, and the Lions, Giants, and Falcons. And their only real impressive result was winning against the Bucks, and that was by one point. Uh, also, the Saints are still without Michael Thomas, so once they get him back, they'll be even more potent. I'm gonna book this when they play in a couple weeks. I'm taking the Saints. Oh dang! Mm, we book it by double digits. Ooh, ooh. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why? It's always straining, yeah. <laughs> Will you book it by more than three? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Which t- Wait, which team wins? Saints. Okay. <laughs> How far out is that? I, I agree. I think the Bears are frauds as far as a 5-1 and one team go. I think that <laughs> no, no matter how good you think the Bears are, being a Nick Foles-led team doesn't instill confidence in me every single week that they can, like, pull out that tough win. Like, he may have Tom Brady's number for some reason, the same way Eli Manning had Tom Brady's num- number, but I'm he's not, like, a great quarterback. I, I, I don't feel confident in the Bears every week. No. I, they, could, they could lose every game going on forward. I mean, no. he, he didn't beat Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville, and he didn't beat Mitch Trubisky to start this year. He's not great, let's be honest. Lucas. <laughs> Let's but he's inevitable. Yeah, he's, he's won a Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't know. Like, also, also, Lucas, Nick Foles is thirty-one. Steph Curry's thirty-two. So they're the same age. You can't use You can't use one argument against one and then not. But use they're, different sports. 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 they're different sports. They're different sports. Also, it's we the have Tom Brady's saying, like forty-something. David, an NBA player LeBron. who's like forty-something and good. Like, it's Ste- LeBron, yeah. first off. Yeah. He's not 40. He's like he's going yes, to be. Bart, Bart makes a good <laughs> point. What, what did Bart, the, the, Bart, what did you say? The time horizons we're comparing are 28 yeah. to 31 for Nick Foles and then 32 to 35 for Steph Curry. I didn't say Nick Foles won't be out of his prime yeah, three years yeah. from now because he probably will be, but Nick Foles 28 to 31 does not mean he's out of his prime. The modern-day yeah. NFL that, quarterback Jared. plays to 40. Everybody knows that. They're all playing to 40 years old. They all say it. Tom Brady is, is, is a pioneer <laughs> to this new age quarterback. He's 42. Russ is going 40. Oh, Aaron Rodgers going 40. Nick Foles going 40. Anyway, <laughs> let us transition to the final sport on the docket today, college football. Um, so recently, let's start with some Notre Dame talk, uh, as per usual for us. Recently, Colin Cowherd recently stated that Brian Kelly is a top five coach in college football. His, his, you laugh. His reasoning, wow. Notre Dame wins a ton of games, plays a decent schedule. They're geographically isolated, academically tough. They've got lousy weather, so on and so forth. Lucas, is this fair praise? And if not, how does Brian Kelly's inability to win a title or even a playoff game maybe affect things? It's absolutely not fair praise. Brian Kelly what? is not a top five coach. Jared, oh, wow. how many how many current college football coaches have won a national championship? Six, but one. But hold on, I got and, an and, argument and, for that. And is Brian <laughs> Kelly one of those six? 
No, no but so the, one of the coaches at Kansas. Come on. Well, yeah, but when he wasn't, because we're talking about right Kansas now, Lucas, make him... we're not talking about 20 years ago. Les Miles anyway. is still a good coach. He just no, doesn't have not. access to talent. Yes, no, he is. Stop it. He's not. Brian Kelly said Beth's the seventh best coach in college football. People also, also undersell Notre Dame's appeal. You know where Notre Dame ranks on the all-time NFL players list? Like, none of number of NFL players they've produced? No. Well, probably first. <laughs> it's either first or second. It's like, what about since 2045? Yeah. Yeah, you can't use stats from 1940. We're talking about today, <laughs> Lucas. Come on. Okay, they still produce. Like, yeah, it's Notre Dame is number one overall. They've produced 495 NFL players. That's a draw. But, it, but every does that single hold offensive up lineman, the... not every single one. So many of the offensive linemen they've had over the past ten years have gone to the NFL. So many of the tight ends they've had. There are appeals to Notre Dame. People undersell it because, you know, it's in cold weather. You know who else has cold weather? Michigan and Ohio State and Wisconsin and everybody has cold weather up there. You know who else has Yeah, but they don't have academic standards. Michigan is like anybody they let anybody in there. Michigan's like the second best public university in the country. So well they're not they're not ahead of Notre Dame. They're not more selective than Notre Dame is. It's 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 neck and neck. Stanford yeah, they're not Lucas, Lucas, Sam, are you kidding? If, if we look at the moment, Notre Dame has the eighth most players in the NFL of any college team. Okay, so, whatever. That's good. Still a but draw. They're, they're not first. They're like, and they have not been a top NFL talent producing in terms of like, they have not been comparative to SEC teams like Bama and LSU and Georgia. You're telling like, me the, they haven't the been. team with the eighth most NFL players, that's not going to be a draw for people? Okay, and I just counted it. it. Yeah, since but 09, they're not Since first, Brian like... Kelly's tenure in 09, he's had 50 players go to the NFL. Whew. Yeah. It was a pretty hefty list. So isn't that isn't that a testament that he's doing a good job then? No, the, I think that's more of a testament of the talent that he has that he can't win. He can never win a single big game. Name one big game that has mattered that Brian Kelly has won. Stanford. Stanford 2018. Come on. Jared, how did Stanford finish that year? They were top 10 at the time. How did Stanford finish the 20th I have no season? idea. What was the record? Do you know? It was like it was like 7 and 5. They were not good. <laughs> and well, when you beat a team, they're going to anyway, whatever. He's not won a single meaningful game. Okay, so here's my question, Lucas. Who who are the 5 that you would pick at least yeah. ahead yeah. of them? Yeah. That's my question as well. Less miles. Well. Saban, Sweeney, Cocho, Jimbo, no! Brown. No, you're you're literally just picking the people. Ryan Day, Ryan Day, Ryan Day, no, Lincoln Riley, all these people. Guys, Ryan Day, Ryan Day, go ahead. Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley are just more impressive. Brian Kelly. No, they're not. They, yes, they are. Inherited. Hold on, they inherited a juggernaut. Ohio State's record the year before Ryan Day, thirteen and one. We we don't even know if this is Ryan Day's coaching. One loss. Oklahoma's record. One loss. Oklahoma's record right before Lincoln Riley, eleven and two. They inherited juggernauts. Okay. Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly has had 11 team, years. A Notre Dame team years. that wins 16 and 21 their last three seasons before he took over. Now okay, look at yeah. that. In the last three say- seasons, only Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama have won more games than Notre Dame. Okay, how Come many on. of those games have been against good teams? Hmm. We, 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 okay, maybe we haven't beat Alabama top three level teams, but we beat, we beat top 25 teams all the time. Okay, so does everybody. Like, no, they you know, don't. Like, not everybody does. <laughs> Not everybody is ranked in the top ten every year like we are. Well, Come yeah, but on. but even even if everybody does like you say, Lucas, then Notre Dame being fourth and wins is impressive, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, I, I'm not saying it's not impressive. I just don't think Brian Kelly's a top five coach because he can't win big games. Is he a top fifteen coach? Sure, he consistently puts together good ten and three seasons where they're competitive until the last <laughs> week, and then they lose to Stanford, and then they lose the bowl game. Like this, it happens the same way every year. There's hype at the beginning of the year. They lose like a midseason game. We debate, oh, can they make the playoffs now? And then they lose to Stanford the last week of the year, and then lose their bowl game and end ten and three. It's the same thing every year. No, it's but but again, but again, they're they're geo- they're geographically. This actually matters that they're geographically <laughs> isolated because the the schools that are more selective that are in front of Notre Dame are in California, which is the, a top three recruiting state. You have to, like, I mean, you have to take, you have to travel far to to rack up the miles. Get to get these recruits in California, Texas, where Texas and USC, they're in their backyard. Like okay. you, you literally ra- are racking up a bunch of miles. It takes it takes more work to recruit geographically from Notre Dame than it does Texas or USC. I, I'm not saying it's not impressive. I think it's <laughs> impressive. I, I just yeah, think I, just I think know. I think a top Lucas. five coach could beat Clemson once. 
could beat <laughs> could beat Georgia once. You know how you know what their combined record is against Clemson, Georgia over the last five years? Oh and four. <laughs> They've lost every game. Jared, where, where where is he in the top five? Where do you rank him? Five? I I think he's I think he's fourth. Fourth. I would yeah. say he's fifth, th- right outside the college football playoffs. He's fifth. <laughs> <laughs> Classic, yeah. And real quick, before I know you and Lucas are going to go back and forth. Ryan Day <laughs> took a third place Ohio State um, team that are he adopted, and he bumped him up into the second overall slot in the next year. So put some respect <laughs> on his coaching job, Jay. He went from three to two. Oh, my gosh. So it's- Ryan Day absolutely <clears throat> deserves to be put up there in the upper echelon. No, I, think, I think he's I think eight. it's. I think Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Kirby Smart are in front of him, and that's that's all I would put in front of him, in front of Brian Kelly. <clears throat> I don't Wrong. know. Right. Oh my gosh, he th- he does you are you He's he a does very have to coach. go through he does have to go through hoops that other programs don't have to. Yes, Notre Dame is a draw, but he also has constraints that other programs don't have to. This is also just another, also this is an excuse. Programs, it's an programs, excuse. No, it's guy. not. Programs are rewarded when they're patient with actively. their coach. <laughs> programs are rewarded when they're patient with their coach. Not eleven years patient. Yeah, they are. Okay. Dabba Sweeney didn't win till his eighth season, a national championship. Okay. The prime is over. But Sweeney's a better coach than Brian Kelly, though. So he, he Jared, <laughs> numbers no, mean serious. nothing to Jared. He just throws right. out numbers that context doesn't matter. Right? <laughs> what, how, are you, how are you? I'm giving you context, and you're telling me context doesn't matter? Are, I'm giving it. you the context. <laughs> I don't know how you can look at someone who's been there since I was 12 years old and who hasn't won a national championship. They have a top I, 15 winning percentage in that span. Then he's a is top 15 gonna, coach. Yeah, like I said. Is, no, Jared, he's not. Jared, if We're talking Dame, about right now. We're if you're Notre right Dame, now, is, is just only being four like programs. A, Jared, is only Notre three Dame, programs have one more game. If Notre Dame just making the college football playoffs and getting really good bowl games here and there, that's good enough. Isn't at some point it is the same only way, the same, the same the way we talk about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Isn't that the same? Like at some point you no, have to start. No, it's not. He has a better because at the very least Michigan is is winning games and they have a, they get a bowl game and they finish and okay and I know they lose he has Alabama. A, yeah, so does so does at least a Texas Notre Dame. They lose to they lose to they lose to big teams. But I mean like yeah. if just winning games and getting bo- good bowl games and having decent recruiting classes is enough then yeah, Brian Kelly is a good coach, but at some point in well, a, who would you again, who would you put in front of him? Ryan Day. Oh, he 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 inherited a juggernaut. You we don't know how good Ryan Day is right now. I do know he took a number three overall Ohio State team and bumped <laughs> him up to number two. Come on, Mac Brown. Jimbo Brian Fisher. Kelly would have done the same thing. No. Mac Brown's not as good. I'm Jimbo telling you Fisher? that right now. You think Jimbo, no. Jimbo Fisher? Loves Jimbo is... Fisher. But do you like him? What you're placing him in front of Brian Kelly after all the hate you gave the team? Yeah. A&M? So he <laughs> when on. he was at Florida State, when he was at Florida State, he played a comparable schedule to what Notre Dame does now and he just did a better version of it no, yes he didn't they, he, he, he they, they won a national he championship they won a national championship at what cost, they were at, at, <laughs> in, the, in the five in the five years surrounding that like t- that period of time they won like 10 games every year which notre dame does but they don't want a national championship Brian Kelly's yeah, but, gonna have a bad year. Brian, Jared, four years ago, Brian <laughs> Kelly went four and eight he yeah and then the next eight. year went 10 and three that's that's like that's a feather in the cap in my opinion <laughs> Going from four and eight to like ten and three the next year? Come on. Yeah, but what year were they the year before that? They were ten and three the year before that, and then they crashed four and eight. Jimbo Fisher didn't even crash down to four and eight. He crashed to seven and five. Yeah, that's because that's because, that's because uh, Florida State's program literally literally gave the players a list of easy classes to take. They had the worst academic progression rate in the league. Brian Kelly can't do that at Notre Dame. That's all I'm saying. Okay. You're wrong. But. You don't you, you come you don't come to play school, Jared. Exactly. Apparently no. not. If you go to Florida State, you don't. I'm gonna list. I just looked up a top top college football um, list of the coaches. I'm just gonna I'm gonna name the names of the top ten. Brian Kelly does sit somewhere in the top ten, Jared. Uh, you tell me if you agree with it. Everyone will tell me if they agree with it or not. Number one, Nick Saban. Number two, Davo Sweeney. Number yeah. three, Ed Ogeron. Number four, Kirby Smart. Number I five, Jimbo Fisher. Okay. Yeah, I don't, Hold on. I don't coach Hold quick on. on the trigger. Number yeah. six, Ryan Day. Number seven, Lincoln Riley. And then number eight falls Brian Kelly. I think that's a correct ranking. I I, I think I, I get the Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley stuff, but I feel like we just don't know how good they are because they inherited programs that were already college football playoff contenders. And then Coach O, I think we're seeing this year, without his good assistance, 
that that went to Baylor, and then I'm not sure where their offensive coordinator went. Um, then he's not as good. Where would he go? Then the offensive coordinator isn't he the OC of the Panthers? Wasn't um, Joe Brady? Oh, okay. Wasn't yeah, he it was the, Joe Brady. Technically the OC. He was the passing yeah. coordinator. He was like the passing game coordinator. Anyway, so yeah, anyway, Saban, Sweeney, smart. I wouldn't put Coach O in front of him. I I'll, I might what? be able to concede the Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley, but I I still give the edge of Ryan Kelly because they inherited programs yeah. that were already. Wait, Lucas, I'm confused. Punish- Lucas, I'm confused by your Lincoln Riley pick. Why? Yeah, you think he's Oklahoma's been, he's the most been twelve and two every year. Team. He's two and two this year. Like, um, he has not had playoff success. Brian Kelly hasn't either. Yes, but I'm he's confused why he's. He's made the playoffs, you know. Like, but I think there's Brian Kelly another name. too. Like, I, well, yeah, but he's made it twice. Makes it every year. I don't know. It was just a name. Like, I don't but know. The, I, like... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Oh my god. I, I think I think you're Lucas. You're letting your like Notre Dame pessimism come into this and like just tainting your image of Brian Kelly. I, I don't think you consider someone a top five coach if they if in eleven years they've made one playoff and one national championship game and zero conference championships. Just so I want to. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> oh my god! So, no. How about gonna, that? Jared? We're gonna have a zero percent conference win percentage. <laughs> fair, not fair. looking yeah. good. Yeah. BK. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Get us out of here. speaking Whew. of the ACC, uh, there's been a lot going on in college football. Uh, Clemson won 73-7 to this weekend against Georgia Tech. So, Aiden, is the ACC just that bad, or is Clemson just that good? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give the lame answer, and it's it's both. It's yeah. Clemson is, is obviously good. You can, as Lucas mentioned, ask Georgia Tech. Um, but the ACC is obviously also not good. I mean, shout out to UNC for getting to number five um, and then losing to a, a pretty mad FSU team. Though to UNC's <laughs> credit, they did kind of come back at the end of the game. That looked like it was going to be a blowout at one point. Um, yeah. And obviously Clemson's toughest game left is against Notre Dame. Um, and I realize the transitive property is, is you know, not infallible, um, but it's not looking good for Notre Dame given that they, they played a tight game against Louisville and Louisville yeah. got beat up by Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech got obliterated by Clemson. And again, that's that's not a one-to-one thing. Um, but I'm not. I don't have a lot of faith that anyone's going to beat Clemson or honestly come that close. I really want Notre Dame to come close to beating them or to, to beat them. But it just it doesn't feel realistic at the moment. The ACC is very, very bad. They're the worst. I think they're the worst conference in the Power Five right now. Clemson, all right, so I think Clemson is pretty much as good as Alabama. But Alabama is actually stuck in close games every once in a while and a half, as evinced by their game against Georgia this week. Nobody in the ACC can play with Clemson, except maybe Notre Dame, who isn't even really in the ACC. Yeah. And by the way, the rankings for a bunch of the ACC teams are super inflated because two conferences aren't playing. So, the ACC, I think it's the ACC is very bad. Oh, it is both. Clemson is awesome, obviously. But I think the ACC is very, very bad. <clears throat> Agreed. Fair enough. <clears throat> Moving on uh, to the SEC, where things have been a little bit more competitive than usual. We've seen some, we've seen Alabama in some close games, Georgia in close games early on. Um, Jared, is the SEC's strength of schedule suspect after seeing kind of the the up and down kind of randomness of some of these SEC games, or or no? I think it is a little suspect. I just think the gulf between Alabama and the rest of the teams is widening, and the like upper mid tier teams are going closer to the bottom feeders right now basically like Georgia, Auburn, LSU, Florida are inconsistent and they're not even close to the same level as Bama. The bottom feeders of like Arkansas, Kentucky, and Tennessee are like playing okay. So um, it's hard to tell before bowl games since conferences aren't playing each other, but I think Alabama's just kind of separating themselves and the upper mid tier teams are trending down. That's what I think. Yeah, that lack of play between conferences, like I wonder, do you think Clemson benefits or is that a disadvantage from the fact that they can only play the awful ACC teams? It's an advantage for them now because they already have built their clout kind of, so they don't really need to prove anything, I feel like. If they just just win all their games, they're fine. If it was was a team that still had to prove something, maybe it would, I think. I feel like I haven't seen Clemson play a lot of tough out-of-conference games anyway in the past couple of years maybe that's not true i guess notre dame was technically a out of conference game they played them before but yeah i'm trying to think of tough games they played i feel like a lot of times they just dominate the whole regular season yeah. and then the playoffs are the first time we see them for real yeah. and they're still good yeah i mean they played a&m uh 
in 2018. I think 2018 okay. and last year, but mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, last college football to- topic. Why will the big will the Big Ten be more like the SEC, or where there's a lot of parity, or is this just Ohio State's world and they're all living in it? <laughs> I think it's um, Ohio State's world. And we're just all living in it, or at least the rest of the Big Ten is just living in it. I, after their first two weeks um, against Nebraska and the team better than Notre Dame, Penn State, uh, <clears throat> there's no one that's really going to challenge them that's left on their schedule. Ohio State is and always has been the big brother in the rest of that Big Ten, especially because <laughs> when they play – They haven't always than, been. Sorry. <laughs> uh, who else? Michigan? Don't even yes. – Michigan leads the all-time series. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> when they play Michigan and drop 70 on them at the end of this year, um, I don't think that there's anyone that would challenge them, and there's nothing that can really be done about it, other than Penn State and the week two. Yeah, I think Penn State's Penn State and Wisconsin are big challengers. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think Ohio State's probably going to show themselves as clearly the in the same cream of uh, in the same class as Alabama and Clemson. And then after that, nobody has a shot at actually beating any of those three teams. And I think I am going to use my new favorite term. Penn State and Wisconsin are both tough wins. They're going to cause a lot of problems <laughs> in their in their conference, and Penn State will probably be there for like a, a conference championship game. But I'm, you know, they're not winning national championships, and they're not knocking off Ohio State. They're as yeah. good as ever. I mean, they're all pro. Like they're all their top guard said like, "Oh, we're playing." I'm opting back in, and then of course Justin Fields is like. The one B, the Trevor Lawrence is one A as far as college football quarterbacks go. Yeah, so they're yeah. good. They're okay. And Ryan Day, of course, number six. <laughs> of course, top top three. Top coach five here. Top two. Yeah. Yeah, according to White, he's probably. <laughs> he's number one. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <clears throat> oh God, that's yeah, that's gonna do it for us today. Um, we'll be back next week with a with another new episode talking about all the going on goings on and. Uh, NFL, uh, college football, and the rest. Uh, please give us give us some likes on uh, on Twitter or follow us on Twitter. Uh, we're, we're on YouTube as well, SoundCloud, anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, please give us a listen, give us a follow, and uh, let us know what you like and what you don't like. And uh, come back next week. Uh, thanks. <laughs>